Hello, everyone. Art Tomasetti back with you with the Flight Test Safety Podcast. Well, it's midsummer here in Florida, which means heat, humidity, and a little more humidity broken up with the occasional thunderstorm. I hope everyone in the Northern Hemisphere is having a safe and enjoyable summer break so far. Now, I haven't done a historical piece lately, and July means I get to talk about one that I am very familiar with. The Mission X flight of the Lockheed Martin X-35 back in July of 2001. Now, I've talked about it a lot before, so I won't recount it again, as much as I love telling the story. But that day will always stand out as one of the most significant in my aviation career. One, because of what the team accomplished on that flight. Two, because on the sortie that followed the Mission X flight, I actually got to use the no vote. And finally, because after getting out of my flight gear that day, I attended a memorial service for a pilot and photographer who had been killed the week prior in a flight test accident. A lot going on that day to be sure, and I most definitely became a changed and hopefully better test pilot after all of that. You know, sometimes it takes a significant event to bring about change in an organization, in a team, and even in an individual. But this month, keeping in the X-35 Joint Strike Fighter theme, we have part one in what I think is going to be a three-part series entitled Battle, Battle of the, the X-Pilots. Pilots. Catchy title, right? Yes, it's a little bit of a play on the Battle of the X-Planes documentary title, but when you bring an X-32 pilot and an X-35 pilot, both of whom are former Marines, together, and ask them to talk about the fly-off between those two aircraft, well, Battle of the X-Pilots seems kind of fitting. Okay, so let's put our two competitors into the virtual arena, mano a mano, and see what happens. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this month's edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Art Tomasetti, back with you. And one of the things I've talked about in the past that's a great benefit of doing this podcast, for me anyway, is I get to talk to some really interesting and amazing people, and I get to reconnect with some old friends. And that's what we've got on in store today. Uh, on the phone with me today is Mr. Jeff Carnes, retired United States Marine, and uh, we go back a long ways. Uh, call sign Pigpen. Uh, Pigpen, thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast today. And I'm going to turn it over to you first to kind of just give us a little bit of background on your career so far. Okay, well, uh, thanks for inviting me, Turbo. Yes, we do go way back and um, many stories between us. Um, I graduated from Purdue with an aeronautical engineering degree in 1986. Uh, went into the Marine Corps uh, through flight school, uh, selected for Harriers, did a, a tour in VMA 513 out of Yuma, went back to be an instructor at uh, VMAT 203 uh, on Harriers, and then I was selected for test pilot school, went to uh, Pax River, uh, ended up being there five and a half years because I was uh, selected to work the Joint Strike Fighter Program. I was involved in X-32 and X-35 development and then flew X-32. Uh, after that time, I went back to the fleet and the Harriers. I did three years too, there uh, back at Cherry Point. And then uh, finally was asked to go down and uh, move to Fort Worth and actually take over a job that, that Turbo had had before me, which was helping Lockheed Martin develop the F-35. Uh, at the end of that, Decided to get out of the uh, Marine Corps, got hired by Bombardier Aerospace, and have been flying globals mainly since then. I 
also was involved with development of the C-Series, uh, currently on the uh, Global 8000, which is a uh, long-range business jet. So that's my history. All right. Thanks. So, yeah, as we both mentioned, uh, our time goes back all the way to the, the early Harrier days and then again reconnecting at Pax River in the late 90s. Uh, as we were both uh, finishing up test pod school, Pigpen was uh, a year ahead of me going through test pod school. And uh, quite honestly, probably the only reason that I got involved with the JSF program uh, because he decided he was doing too much traveling and wanted to share the pain with somebody back in the day. So Pigman and I sort of pre-coordinated a little bit about this, and what we thought we would do is kind of share some of our different perspectives on the early days of JSF, specifically the X-32, X-35 time period. And, you know, I thought about, uh, you know, we, there has been the documentary, uh, the Nova special called The Battle of the X-Planes, and I guess we could have called this The Battle of the X-Pilots, or the podcast of the X-Pilots. <laughs> so we got a couple of topics we'll talk about um, and we'll kind of go back and forth, and, and Pigpen will give his perspective from the from the X-32 side of JSF, and I'll, I'll maybe add a few comments from my perspective on the X-35 side of JSF. And we'll just go from there, and we'll see how it comes out. So, so Pigpen, one of the first things we, we talked about is, you know, for both of us, maybe similar, maybe slightly different. Um, give me your thoughts on what it was like to be assigned to an X airplane, you know, kind of almost just coming out of test pilot school. You know, anytime you're going to get assigned to help develop and fly an X plane, you know, that's a uh, test pilot's dream. Uh, so, you know, starting the earlier days, you know, there, it wasn't a big team. Uh, I was there four and a half years plus a year of test pilot school, but basically the team got builder bigger and bigger and the design uh, went from on drawings to actual hardware and then through all the flight test decisions on how to do it safely and finally to to flying the, the aircraft itself so uh, like I said test pilot dream and uh, it was very rewarding especially considering that uh, yeah x32 didn't win but all the stuff we did in the Bach Harrier developing flight control laws, all that was used in the final product on F-35. And it, I think uh, Turbo and I both made an aircraft that's that's least all but easy to fly and, and has the performance to do the mission. So, you know, working all that time on that, I think we were very successful and uh, feel pretty confident and happy that the warfighter today has a tool that's, uh, that's really capable. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And I would say, I mentioned that I probably wouldn't have been involved with JSF if it wasn't your intervention. Like you, when I showed up to test pilot school, I was brought there to go do something else. And that was to go be a Harrier test pilot out at China Lake, California. Uh, and uh, pretty close to the end, getting really close to graduation, I was approached by Pigpen uh, one night at the bar in Pax River. And that's why I wanted to become part of this thing called JSF. Uh, they were looking to grow the team, as he mentioned. And, uh, and I think, you know, for both Jeff and I, uh, you know, predominantly the reason we were on the team was our Harrier background and our Harrier experience that we could help with the, the Stovall versions of the airplane. And, you know, at, at that time, you know, just drawings on paper and there were some simulators to go fly, but that was really about it. 
So, Big Ben, do you feel, though, that being involved that early on when it was mostly, you know, just stuff on paper and a lot of meetings, that we had the ability to influence the, some of the decisions and design at that point? I'd say very much so. Um, you know, the, the team, this new way of doing business where the government uh, contract or the government team went to the meetings, went and helped make design decisions by the contractors themselves. It's kind of a new thing, um, trying to cut costs and, and make a better product. But it was it was really amazing, and and I give great credit to the you know the contractors themselves as well as uh, our upper management in the, in the military. You know, we we joined the teams. We went around the country to these different spots, and I, I felt on both the Lockheed and the Boeing team, my thoughts or, you know, my concerns were, were taking as valid. We weren't just somebody that was looking over shoulders. We were part of the team. And that goes from everything from safety decisions on how to do flight tests to design decisions. And, of course, probably the biggest thing was uh, you and I involvement in the Bach Harrier program in which, uh, you know, this was a, a U.K. advanced stovall uh, flight control design program where, we go there uh, for weeks on end and just sit in a room and say, okay, what response types do, do you think would be the best ones for an advanced stolen design? What inceptor types? And we just uh, spitball things around the crowd there and come up, and then we go test it on this uh, this Bach Harrier, which was a, a two-seat Harrier flying test bed. And all that work and all that exposure allowed us to come back to the teams, Boeing and to Lockheed, and say, really, you know, you don't want an H double dot uh, because that's that's got these problems. And uh, I would say that both contractors listened very intently uh, from that exposure, and a lot of those lessons learned were implemented into X-32 and X-35 and then on to F-35, of course. Uh, so I, I think we brought a lot of experience to the table, and I think they all listened to us. Uh, and that's you know credit to them, right? We we were we were an equal team. I never right. felt there was a difference between me and one of the Lockheed or one of the Boeing test pilots. We were just a uh, a group of people trying to do it right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would echo everything you say. You know, the, you mentioned uh, some of the work we did in England on the Vauk Harrier. So so there were some really cool aspects of being involved in the program at that early stage. So we got to go do some things. That were uh, that were unique, right? Not many people had the opportunity to fly that unique airplane that you could tailor make to, you know, go test out new flight control ideas and new flight control schemes. Um, and and since this is a flight test safety related podcast, we'll, we'll focus on that. But uh, we did have some other adventures that might have some safety implications about how to not get trapped in a medieval city uh, after dark in the UK. But we'll save that for a different podcast at a different time. But Pigman, you mentioned so you mentioned the integrated uh, government contractor team, and you know, maybe some people know, maybe they don't. That you know, we started out as one big team, at least on the government side, supporting both contractors simultaneously, which meant you know a lot of travel every week between Boeing and Lockheed locations. But uh, then after a bit, and, and kind of as we got closer to being able to fly, there was a decision made to separate us into a. Uh, a Lockheed-assigned set of government folks and a Boeing-assigned set of government folks. 
So give me your thoughts on that decision, uh, which really meant that nobody was going to fly both airplanes for a, for a sort of direct comparison. Well, I think it was probably the, the right decision and the fact that, you know, why I asked for you to join the program in the first place is trying to get your head wrapped around, you know, you're flying Hornets, you know, you're flying the uh, X-32 simulation, you're flying the X-35 simulation, and trying to keep all the designs right in your head, um, plus cover all the different sites, uh, was just more than one person could do. So when it came down, you know, it was great that we all worked together for a while because there was uh, collaboration and, and benefits to that. But once you got closer to flight test, I think uh, it was best that you concentrate on one design and one team and uh, get the most out of it because there was just not enough time to go back and forth. Uh, you know, you were called in an F-16 uh, chase plane. I had the Hornets out there, the plus all that. It's just too much to remember and keep on top of as, as it was and you know, you and I were a little more special than some of the other people on the team and that because of our Stovall background, even though we were split on teams, we were still brought to cross-pollinate for the, the safety discussions, first flight readiness reviews, those kind of things. Uh, so we, we still were looking over what was happening on the other side of the fence. Uh, but that, I think that was more special between you and I more than some others. But it, it definitely was the right thing to do to break down and, and be – at one place or, or support one team at a time. Yeah, uh, I, I think you hit on actually a, a lot of points there. I want to go back to just revisit a, a one or two of those. So you mentioned the fact that we were flying uh, some airplanes, F-18s, uh, Harrier F-16s, while, while we were waiting for X-32 and X-35 to come to fruition. Um, did, do you feel that it was, in, I mean, the decision could have been made for us to just attend meetings and not keep our flying proficiency, um, and, you know, or at, at least not worry about it until we got closer to actually flying the X airplanes. But people decided to let us maintain that flying proficiency the whole time, even while it was mostly just meetings and simulators. Um, do you think that that maintaining that flying proficiency in, you know, for, for us that in the F-18, the Harrier was important that we should have kept that the, the whole time while we were waiting to get in the X-32 and X-35? Yeah, I'd have to say it was critical. Now, you know, every pilot wants to keep flying, doesn't want to just attend meetings and what have you. But keeping your, your you know, I was there five and a half years at PAX to not be flying for two or three of those years while waiting for first flight would have really atrophied my my skills, I think. Um, but additionally to that, right, you're you practicing test points on a Hornet years before you're doing it on an X-plane. So you built confidence uh, as a test pilot um, for one thing. The other thing was, you know, as you know, everyday flying, if there's things you got to keep ahead of, weather, uh, diverting, and all those things were critical because we actually took these airplanes and we went cross-country uh, between the sites, uh, you know, Edwards out to Pax River. And if, if you let those skills and thoughts atrophy, we wouldn't have been as prepared and, and ready to, to do what we did. Yeah, agree. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, you and I kind of had a unique relationship in terms of we, we could exchange information, especially as it pertained to uh, safety concerns on, in the Stovall airplane because there were some unique things going on 
for that particular version of the of the X planes. But but I also think that you know the the fact that even though all of the government people came from different backgrounds, you know, between you know our, our Air Force, Navy, and UK pilots, and us, we all came from different sort of legacy airplanes and different that. But I think uh, the the time we spent together before splitting into the two teams gave us a chance to to really solidify, at least amongst the government group, an understanding of the mission requirements. Right? That you know, what are we building these airplanes for at the end of the day, so that even though none of us got to fly both airplanes, I think we were all familiar enough with the mission requirements that when, when we wrote our reports, when we sort of wrote our mission relation short of statements in our write-ups, that you know, the folks on the Source Selection Committee, hopefully, uh, you know, had, had something that was very useful because we were all kind of writing from the same perspective. Would you agree with that? Uh, fully agree. Uh, and like I said, for you and me, we're doing both programs of developing the control laws that were used on the airplanes, both sides, um, and, and the design. So, you know, like I said, I think we were a little different, but it was, it was valuable. You knew what was going on with them. And I think our input into the, the program office to make the decision, um, I like to, to hope we were valuable. Uh, I, I believe we were. Yeah, I think so. We will wrap it up there for now and pick it up again later this year with parts two and three. Next month, we are going to back up the flight test timeline just a little bit by talking about an incident that happened in a military fleet jet during carrier operations that ultimately led to flight testing and changes to that aircraft. A reminder that registration is now open for the Society of Experimental Test Pilots annual symposium and banquet that takes place at the end of September in Anaheim, California. You can check out the details on www.sctp.org. There's also a link in the podcast description to a short video that'll describe what that event's all about. And that'll wrap us up for this month. So until next time, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance on the web at www.time2climb.com.